0: NAD is just so important when cells are under metabolic stress. And if they don't have enough resources to upregulate and make more NAD in those stressful circumstances, they can actually become senescent. So having enough NAD is, in a sense, prevention for cellular senescence.
1: Collective Insights is a voyage through topics and technologies revolutionizing human well-being groundbreaking approaches for a better world and a better life await you. Welcome to Collective Insights.
2: Hey, it's Dr. Nick Bitz. And before we get into this week's episode, I want to talk about one of the most important molecules in your body. I'm talking about NAD. NAD is found in every living cell and serves as a catalyst for biological processes in the body, such as converting food into energy, safeguarding DNA, fortifying cell defenses, and activating key pathways associated with longevity. The NAD molecule is absolutely crucial for keeping you in your prime. But here's the hitch. NAD levels dramatically decline as you age, especially starting in your 30s and 40s. And as NAD levels fall, you begin to see and feel the signs of aging. So it becomes increasingly vital to support your body's NAD levels in order to maintain and really to optimize cell health as you age. Enter Qualia NAD Plus. Qualia NAD Plus is a formula that our science team has spent years developing to help boost NAD levels up to 50%. You see, you don't supplement with NAD directly. Instead, your body makes NAD, and there are certain ingredients called NAD precursors that your body uses to create the NAD molecule. These are ingredients like niacin, niacinamide, and niagen, also known as NR. Qualia NAD Plus is unique because it has all three of these important precursors, along with 11 other ingredients to support NAD production. Simply put, Qualia NAD Plus is the most comprehensive NAD-boosting product you'll find anywhere on the market. To learn more about NAD research and to try Qualia NAD Plus risk-free for 100 days, go to neurohacker.com backslash podcast NAD and use code podcast NAD for 15% off Qualia. That's podcast NAD for better aging at neurohacker.com/podcast NAD.
3: Hello, and welcome to Collective Insights. I'm Warren Alexander, the host today, and we're going to be talking about NAD. Yes, if you've been in the biohacking world, this word, NAD+, has come up a lot, mainly because we know of one big fact. NAD declines as we age. And as biohackers, optimizing and improving the aging process is a core tenet or value to being a biohacker. So the more information that we get about the aging process and things that are involved in the aging process, the more interested in ears perk up and hacks and tools and tactics. And so we're going to get into all of that. We have two of the most brilliant minds on the subject matter, Dr. Greg Kelly, who is the Senior Director of Product Development at Neurohacker Collective, naturopathic physician, and author of one of my favorite books, Shape Shift. We also have Nick Bits. Dr. Nick Bits is also a naturopathic physician. He specializes in Ayurvedic medicine, and he's the leading voice in the natural product supplement industry and serves as a Senior VP of Product Development at Neurohacker Collective. So today, just sit back and enjoy this deep conversation about healthy aging and NAD+. With that, I'll kick it off. My first question is pretty obvious. What is
0: NAD? So NAD is really a hub molecule when it comes to metabolism. I think of it as ha- it has a number of jobs, but I think of it as three major, major jobs. So one is NAD is absolutely essential to make ATP, so cellular energy. And that's maybe its most you know well-known role. The second role is as something called NADP. It's used to fuel our antioxidant defenses and make molecules like glutathione that are necessary for cellular detox. And the third major job is what I think of as consumption jobs. So the NAD molecule basically gets consumed or broken apart, think of it as being eaten, to drive certain processes. One of those is repairing DNA. Another is driving cellular stress response pathways. So when I think of NAD and why is it important, I think of it, oh, it's just this central molecule that so many parts of cellular metabolism flow through and something that just is instrumental for doing jobs that make energy, help us detoxify from the world,
2: and ultimately repair damage to cells and mitochondria. Yeah, I mean, when I think about NAD, I just think about how ubiquitous it is. I mean, it's in every cell in the body. We find that mostly it's in the mitochondria. And so when I think of NAD, I think of energy, right? The mitochondria is the powerhouse of cells. You know, so it's it's an energy transfer molecule. I think first and foremost, what it does is it actually will acquire electrons from food and then convert that into cellular ATP energy. And this is I think, very different than the type of energy that most know and love. Like when you drink caffeine, right? That that impacts the central nervous system so that people feel more energized. But what ATP is doing is it's actually releasing energy at the cellular level so that cells can do work. And cells can't do work without NAD. NAD is the shuttle of that electron chain that pushes the ATP production so that cells can do the work that they need to do. And so, for me, NAD is is really just true energy for the body. It's not this external derived feeling of energy that you get with sugar or caffeine, but like true core energy at the cellular level. It does so many more things too, Greg. You alluded to the fact that it's a signaling molecule and it impacts pretty much every facet of being human, you know, mitochondrial function, circadian rhythms, immune response, inflammatory response, cell division, on and on and on. But I think of ATP and NAD as being synonymous because of how they work together.
3: So how does NAD play in the hallmarks of aging or other aging theories?
0: So the hallmarks of aging in the most recent paper, An Expanding Universe, moved the needle from nine hallmarks to 12, a full dozen now. And NAD either directly or indirectly plays in all of them. The ones that it's most directly usually thought of, one of them is called mitochondrial dysfunction. So as Nick just alluded to, Without NAD, our mitochondrial would grind to a halt. They just wouldn't be able to do one of their main jobs, which would be making ATP from the food that we eat and the air that we breathe. Another big hallmark is what's called genomic instability, so the, basically errors in our DNA propagating. And we have enzymes in our cells that are designed to repair damage to DNA. NAD fuels those repair processes. Another one would be, then. this is maybe more indirect, but one of the newly added one was gut dysbiosis. So basically our gut microbiota changing, also becoming old and tired and less able to do its jobs well. And at least in some animal research, nicotinamide riboside, as an example, Niagen, that's in the Qualia NAD product, that acted somewhat to rejuvenate the gut microbiome. So we could kind of... Tick through each of the 12, but there's a role that NAD weaves into all of the 12.
2: Yeah. And, you know, we talk a lot about senescence as well. And we know that senescent cells secrete these SAS factors, which are these inflammatory compounds, one of which is this compound called CD38. And CD38 tends to have this relationship with NAD because it relies on NAD to activate itself. It's, the NAD is the substrate for this inflammatory marker in the body, and so when you have a lot of senescence, you're using up the body's NAD, and you see a reduction in NAD over time. But yeah, there's there's really none of the hallmarks that are untouched by NAD. It really is impacting all aspects of aging, and we're just starting to tease out exactly how NAD impacts the many hallmarks of aging. Wait, and I want to just touch on
0: senescence since nick brought it up the experts on nad so like charles brenner who we'll have on an episode of collective insights podcast coming up his work mostly is about where nad sits in to the metabolic stress picture so think of cells just like you know us they're under potentially all different forms of stress right so collectively that might be thought of as metabolic stress And NAD is just so important when cells are under metabolic stress. And if they don't have enough resources to upregulate and make more NAD in those stressful circumstances, they can actually become senescent. So having enough NAD is, in a sense, prevention for cellular senescence.
3: So when do NAD levels start to decline for a healthy human?
0: So I would say it's progressive. Starting in most people by their late 20s, there'd be a decade-by-decade decade decline. And somewhere in an average person by, say, you know 50s, they'd have roughly, at least in some tissues, about half the level of NAD that you'd find in a healthy 20-year-old. And then as we get older, they can decline even more. And that that connection with NAD declining progressively with age is so strong that some researchers have even suggested measuring it as just a biomarker of healthy aging.
2: Yeah, NAD depletion is interesting. When you get into the literature, it's, it's really difficult to put a number to the amount of NAD that's depleted over time. I mean, I've seen the the number that you mentioned, Greg, which is the 50% decrease that we see generally between the ages of 30 and 70. And I've seen different amounts of depletion in specific tissues too. So where they looked at the brain as an example, they've looked at the retina, they've looked at skin, and we see a lot of variants. But I think for me, the overarching take-home point is that it's universal. We know that NAD is depleted progressively from a young age to old age. And and that's an important aspect of the aging process. It really does drive aging on many different fronts. And it's so it's really important that that we look at NAD and we, we support NAD to counter that aspect.
3: So it's always really helpful for me, and I imagine our listeners, to kind of break this down into a relatable story. And so I'm calling this our storytelling time. If you can relate the NAD in some kind of analogy or metaphor that's a little bit more relatable for us.
0: Sure, so scientists sometimes talk about all the things that make NAD and all the things that NAD makes as the NAD metabolome. So that ohm, you know, think of like a microbiome. It's the collection of all the different things. And so when I think of that collection, I think of it like a series of airports with the NAD molecule being the biggest airport by far in the network. And so it's the, the major hub. And then the other things, like if say we w- say, oh, like vitamin B3, we want to s- somehow take our vitamin B3 and get it to NAD. Well, how does it get there? And the flushing type of niacin actually doesn't have a direct flight. It's got to go through a couple smaller airports to eventually get there. So when I think of NAD, I'm thinking about, like, how do we get these passengers flowing through the entire transportation system so that they're not stranded in these small airports. so don't all get stranded in the big one, right? Because we care about NAD. We want that to get to optimal levels, but we care about that because we want those passengers to be able to go to the next place as well.
2: And and Greg, can you explain why do you think we have so many airports and airplanes in this process? Like, Why is it so complex? Why is it not just moving from molecule A to B to C? It's much more vast. It really is a universe into itself. And so- Why is that? Why do we need that in the body? Well, some of it has to do with what I would call redundancy. For really
0: important jobs, biology is usually created more than one way to do the job. So think of, you know, backup plans. And so for the NAD molecule, one of those comes into play with there being different ways for it to be made. You can start from flushing niacin and, you know, go through a couple different airports and end up at NAD. You can start from niacinamide so the old non-flushing form of vitamin b3 and jump through one airport and the next one you're at is nad a new way to boost it nicotinamide riboside that also has its own starting airport converges at the same one that niacinamide does and then they can travel independently or together to the nad airport so that's a big part of it and the other part is then what happens after you make nad right there's all these other airports it can travel to. So, And you mentioned ATP as being just a super prominent role of the NAD molecule. But NAD in that job, think of it as like there's two airports. There's an NAD plus airport and an NADH, right? So when you get that hydrogen or electron from food, it it adds that on. NAD plus becomes NADH. That's basically now you're at a, a new airport. And so, you know, some of the NAD plus in our cells and our mitochondria needs to go that way. But then after it gives those electrons up, making ATP, it basically journeyed back to the NAD airport. If we go back to that detox idea, right, that's adds a P onto the NAD plus molecule. NADP is what it's called that's its own now airport traffic direction where it's fueling detoxification and making glutathione.
2: Yeah, for me, it's it's really insightful when I look at the map of the NAD metabolome, and you can see all of the inputs and outputs and kind of the flow, the energy flow of this molecule. I think it's, it's really telling how complex this system is.
0: Well, I think going back to that airport analogy, right? So what we know is, let's say someone my age, right? I'm um, in my early 60s, I just have less, you know, NAD passengers at that major airport than I would have had when I was 20. And if we looked at, you know, other airports in the system, we'd find like a whole bunch of passengers stranded at places before that, right? So we need to move those, like, you know, we want to give resources to build more NAD molecules, but we need to move the passengers we have along the chain, right? We need that flux through the system. And I think that's a big part of what's not happening well with aging. And one of the things I found most interesting, and this goes back to when we were doing Qualia Life in a paper that came out around that time. And it was something along the lines of the NAD metabolome in is dysregulated in aging by a super famous researcher named James Clement, big name in the longevity space. And what he found in that study was, oh, no surprise, NAD was decreased as people got older. But what he also found is certain other airports, you know, some some had too few passengers, but others had too much. And so it was as if certain airports, there was a weather event and people just got stuck there. And the thing to me that was then made it all made sense was what you were talking about, this like NAD metabolone map. So looking at that map, like, okay, where are there too few people and where are there too many? The thing always that was between those two was ATP. And so wherever you needed ATP to move passengers from one of the hubs to the next, they just weren't getting moved efficiently as we got older. And at the time, I remember, you know, speaking with Daniel Smockenberger, one of our founders about this. And we were like, oh, well, we care about NAD because it helps make ATP, but if ATP is needed to also make NAD, we should care about both, you know? And so we built that logic in to both quality yeah, life, but now quality NAD.
3: So you've said a few times now that nearly everyone, you know, that's in the 30, 40 range has low NAD levels. What are some symptoms of like low NAD that you could detect or diagnose yourself?
0: So NAD's been known about since I think nineteen twenties, so let's just say approximately a hundred years. And since the late thirties, it's been known that Niacin, the flushing, vitamin B3, and niacinamide, the non-flushing, help to make NAD. And the reason that research happened in the first place was because they started to see what would be now thought of as the vitamin B3 deficiency state show up in a widespread manner in the early 1900s. And the classic way to think about vitamin B3 deficiency is the three Ds. So one of the Ds is dermatitis, so which would be like a red scaly rash, like yeah, easier sunburning, things like that. Our, our skin is just not resilient. Another D would be dementia, right? So that what they would see is, you know, what we think of as dementia now in a medical sense, but they would see mental confusion and poor memory and cognitive things show up. And the last D was diarrhea. So what they would see is you know, starting to have issues with GI health. Now, like step back. So instead of deficiency, we've got just inadequacy. We're not outright deficient. We don't have these signs and symptoms of that, but how might not having enough show up? And it's gonna start to show up in those same big areas, right? Our skin's gonna be less resilient. So we might start to see issues with our skin health. Our cognition is gonna suffer a bit, right? We may not be as mentally sharp. We may feel a little rain foggy. We, We might not have the mental energy and that motivation to do things. And then lastly, we'll start to see often GI issues, right? Because our gut microbiota, the guys that live, the guys and gals that live in our zoo, so to speak, in our GI tract, they need NAD just as much as we do, right? So if they're not getting enough, they start to be unhappy and start to cause gut-brain functional issues.
2: Yeah. F- for me, NAD is always working behind the scenes. I, I know it can be super broad acting in its effects and its impact on the body, but It's just creating energy so that the body can get stuff done and cells work properly. And so, you know, you don't always feel high levels or low levels, but it's important because it's impacting all of those hallmarks of aging that are driving the aging process. And, you know, again, we can see these things clinically or not. I mean, it can just be as simple as you feel more sluggish over time. And so I like your use of the word juice. You know, I I feel like NAD, when you have adequate NAD, you feel juice, like you feel like you just have that vitality and everything is working as it should to promote health and wellness. So it's not always super felt. I know when I was introduced to the molecule NR, which is a precursor to NAD, I believe it was like 2013, so it was maybe a decade ago and I was just starting to formulate uh, dietary supplements and I had used their product and I was just getting into the science and I was shocked at how I felt taking NR. In a very short amount of time, I felt more grounded. I felt more core vitality, but it's not like caffeine. So it's a very different type of energy that that you notice when you have adequate NAD levels.
3: Maybe my misunderstandings, because you haven't mentioned it yet, is I thought NAD played a big role in recovery and like healing and things like that. I, I just, I think about my kids and how they're just bouncing and bruising and just like immediately healing. And I'm always like, man, they must have a lot of NAD. Am I just like completely misinterpreting how NAD works?
0: Tryptophan is a very inefficient way to make the NAD molecule. Think of it as taking like 60 parts of tryptophan to build one part of NAD. So the niogen, the nicotinamide riboside, it's more like a one-to-one to to build a molecule. But what you would see with that long way to make it, because it's like 11 steps to make NAD from tryptophan, is the first step when there's you know, anything that would create inflammation, right, the need for repair and recovery, the body will upregulate every way to make NAD. It's trying to pull more tryptophan in that direction instead of it going to, say, serotonin and melatonin. If there was, you know, some niacinamide or the nicotinamide riboside you just took, it's going to say, oh, let's, like, really get that where it's needed much more quickly. So repair, recovery, regeneration... I had mentioned earlier that this idea that whenever there's cells have some form of stress, one of their fallback things is let's make more NAD because they need it to do the things to repair. And, you know, when we have trauma, right, just think that's at a tissue level, right? Millions and millions of cells are clamoring now to make more NAD. Right. I think of it for me personally, like, oh, energy. Yeah, I would. Who doesn't want more energy? But The main reason I take it is because I want that degree of resilience, right? Because really, as we get older, resilience suffers, and it takes us a lot longer to cover from the minor things that someone the age of your daughters will bounce back in 30 seconds. Right.
3: Right. Is that, I mean, in terms of the theories of NAD, is the reason they're high at those levels for youngsters is a protective kind of survivalist of the species? I mean, has that come up in the research?
0: I've never seen it come up, but it makes a lot of sense, right? Like like a big part of evolution is to get us past reproductive age, like so we can pass on our genes. And then after that, evolution doesn't care so much about us anymore, right? We've done what (laughs) it cares about. So everything's designed to make sure that we're you know, healthy and resilient for that. And then you know, things can wind down after. And I know most of our listeners, we don't want to wind down. We want to stay resilient.
3: Okay, boosting NAD. Let's do it. Okay, because there's a lot to talk about here. And here's a lot of misinformation cycling through my Instagram feed on NAD+, plus and boosting NAD+. Plus. Greg, what are some myths that are out there about boosting NAD+.
0: Plus? I think some of the the main things that i've seen over the time and i'll start off just with a sherlock holmes quote that i keep in mind and i'm going to paraphrase it so it's not the exact words from the book but the idea is it's a capital mistake to theorize in advance of evidence so what that means for me is like show me the money right so if you're saying oh like you know we have this way of boosting any dnrs is better than anyone else like great i'm open to that like show me the research And what I see all the time is, oh, like RNAD booster is better because it's liposomal. And it's like, all right, well, show me a study that any liposomal form of a booster has worked not only better, like at least as good as what I know, the non-liposomal forms. And I've never seen that study. Another would be like sublingual. I know I've heard that NMN isn't really bioavailable. It's broken down. So to avoid that, I'll just take it sublingually. It's like, again, like, well, show me the money. I've not seen it. And the, the things that, conversely, I don't have to theorize in advance of the evidence. I already have the evidence. I know these ways work are things like taking the Niagen, nicotinamide riboside, taking the old vitamin B12s, taking our product, you NED, What we've done sufficient before and after NED testing, where we know, you know, so far it's worked for everyone, right? It, it does what it's supposed to do. So I think for me, the thing I always keep in mind is, personally, I don't want to get hooked in the story. Like, great. I Like, that's a compelling story. I find it interesting. Now show me the money.
2: It's been interesting to watch, I'll call it the NAD booster wars, the conversations between the NR camp, the NMN camp, vitamin B3 camp. And I, th- I think they all have a place in this. I think they, they all work pretty well to boost NAD. And maybe in time, we'll we'll tease that apart and we'll be able to identify which one is the most active in terms of boosting NAD to maximum levels. But I'm interested in all of them. Of course, NMN right now, we, we can't use in the dietary supplement industry. It's been disallowed because it's been studied as a drug. So the FDA has has basically concluded that nobody can use it as a dietary supplement. They can't market it as a dietary supplement. You can find it online unlawfully, but it's unfortunate that we've lost access to that molecule. But, but again, thankfully, we have NR, we have niacin, we have niacinamide, we have tryptophan. We have other molecules we can help support the enzymes that convert these intermediates into NAD. So there's a lot that we can do to support the entire metabolome to make sure that we're really impacting it. The last thing, at
0: least, and this goes really to neurohackers' emphasis on complex system science. What's super common is, oh, well, we'll just take this one way to build it, like a niagin, which is a great molecule to boost NAD levels reliably to some degree, and call it a day. And as hopefully our listeners now will appreciate, we want to get more passengers in that airport for sure, but we want to make sure that we're not getting passengers stuck in other places. And one of the things that's shown up repeatedly in research on something like whether it's NMN or NR given alone is yes, the amount of passengers that flow through the NAD airport goes way up, but the ones that get stuck in other places also can get way up. So it's one of the reasons I think it's super important not to only emphasize that, but also you know these other B vitamins are super important for making ATP and for creating that flow through the map of NAD molecules. People spend too much time arguing over is NMN or NR better. They're both good, as Nick said, right? They both do the job and increase NAD levels. And too little is focused on yeah, but there's all these other important NAD related molecules. Like we want to make sure that passengers aren't getting stranded all over the map. Right. And that's, I think, what makes NeuroHacker and the qualia product unique is we think about things like that.
2: And, and Greg, to elaborate on that point a little bit more about, you know, facilitating the movement through the airport, can you just speak to caffeine? How does caffeine as an example, fit into that? How does it help move passengers from one spot to another? And is is caffeine good in this context?
0: Yeah. So, so no matter what airport you started from, the NR1, the NMN1, the flushing niacin, tryptophan, all of them eventually converge on needing to get basically on the same plane to get from where they are to NAD. And that's an enzyme. The abbreviation is MNAT. And there's three variants of that. So just think of like they're being in, in our brain, variant two is dominant as an example. Variant one's pretty active throughout the body. And so the reason that's important is because again, this idea of stranding passengers somewhere. So in neurons, as an example, we don't want passengers to get stranded at NMN. Whether you start from NR, NMN, flushing or like non-flushing niacin, niacinamide all of them eventually converge at the NMN airport. So we want those passengers to move along. And the study I saw was, I don't remember the title, but the gist of it was this idea that Nr and casein were synergistic for making NAD. I'm like, huh, that's interesting. Why would that be? And when I read the study, what it turned out is that enzyme, the NMNAT2, the one that's in the brain, casein upregulates the activity of that. So basically, just think of it, more passengers can get from the NMN airport to NAD when there's caffeine. And one of the things that, and this is maybe more sophisticated than our audience would be used to hearing, is that often it's about ratio of things for cells to do their job. So we don't want too many people to get stuck at MNN. We want the ones that are arriving there to float through. And caffeine helps with that enzyme activity. It helps upregulate. So just think of it, more passengers, that no matter how they're coming in, To the intermittent airport get to fly on to their nad destination with a small amount of
2: caffeine i think for me that was really insightful to understand how these nad converting enzymes can use certain nutrients such as resveratrol such as caffeine to really help facilitate that process and so i i do think that's lacking in a lot of the products that are boosting nad on the market they're just providing the precursor and hoping that that gets converted into nad but I think it's equally important to make sure we're we're facilitating that conversion at the same time, uh, which again caffeine does, which is which is great. And I know I I personally use NAD boosters in the morning. There seems to be an element of timing that is critically important. You know we have studies on mice that show that morning supplementation is the most effective. We do have some indications in humans to show that as well. And so I I consume my NAD boosters along with my coffee just to make sure that I'm helping to facilitate that conversion of the precursor into the NAD plus molecule. So
0: many things interact with circadian physiology, our body clock, right? Which changes dramatically from 8 in the morning when some of us are having our coffee till 8 at night. So this animal study was, I just thought, super interesting. So what they did is, first they gave the entire NAD molecule. And to get that past you would think of it as like an IV, right? They're injecting it directly into the blood. And what they found is if they gave it at the beginning of the animal's active cycle, then metabolic health got dramatically better. You know, so body fat, blood sugar regulation, all those things, much, much better. But if they gave it at the beginning of their sleep cycle, like the equivalent of us taking an NAD booster at dinnertime, it actually worsened all those same things. And so I was like, wow, well, that makes sense. Because, you know, many of the human studies, I just think the NAD boosters, whether it's NMN or NR, have somewhat underperformed expectations, would be, I think, the fairest way to say it. Now, they always boost NAD, but the metabolic benefits have been much less common. and. I can only think of one or two studies where they've only given it at breakfast. The most common way is they're giving it these two divided doses. And I was thinking, wow, maybe they're canceling out the good because they're also now doing it twice a day. Wouldn't it be smarter just to do it in the morning, the beginning of our active cycle? So that's, I know you know how you take it, how I take it, how we've used it in our studies. And yeah, I think that's the superior way.
3: Yeah, I can speak from personal experience. Early in my NAD boosting supplementation journey, I tried an NAD booster. It had no caffeine in it. So I took it in the evening and I was up all night long. Like I could not go to sleep. I was so ramped up and I was miserable the whole next day because I couldn't sleep. And I remember like complaining, I think calling you Craig or something saying what happened? And you're like, yeah, don't take that at night. Ever. Doesn't matter if I ask, Kathy. So what's getting the Qualia NAD? We've danced around a lot of the innovations that the team at NeuroHacker and especially you, Dr. Greg, and Dr. Nick have like really infused in this product. But what really makes this NAD booster, Qualia NAD, stand out and is an innovation?
0: So I would say to me, three things. The first is, as we've talked about, there's multiple ways to make it. So we thought it was important to support all of them, right? Like not just give one of these, like nicotinamide riboside, like let's give flushing nice in a small amount as well because that's some cells prefer that way to make NAD, as an example. So multiple ways to make the molecule would be number one. The number two is, as we've talked about, it's so important to make sure we get flow through the NAD map, right? get things from airport to airport. And so I don't think this gets talked about nearly as much as it should. I you know, hear ATP all the time and how important ATP is for cellular work. But ATP always is complexed with magnesium. Always, always, always so if you remember nothing else from this podcast, ATP, think ATP, magnesium complex. And magnesium is just one of the most common inadequacies in our world. Some people, some biohackers, are taking a magnesium supplement and covering that base well, but many people don't. There's a gap. We can make as much ATP as we want, but if we don't have enough magnesium to complex it with, then ATP just can't do its work. One of the things I think is just critical when we're contemplating both boosting NAD, but really what we care about is wanting to create nice flow through this whole map of NAD molecules, is we need to make sure we're doing some degree of magnesium. So we included Aquaman, which is a magnesium Nick and I love. It's made from ocean waters off the coast of Ireland. It comes with all kinds of trace minerals, and trace minerals we know mitochondria love trace minerals. We don't know why, right? But probably because we evolved in the ocean, those minerals were abundant around our ancient evolution. Mitochondria rely on them.
2: Yeah. And I, and I mentioned previously, I mean, we, we were interested in doing a lot more from a formulation standpoint. We we looked at NMN. Of course, the timing of the FDA announcement changed our mind on that. But we wanted to work with a reliable NR source, which is why we chose niogen from my standpoint. I have a lot of comfort working with that ingredient. The mother company of that ingredient is called Chromadex and they've really helped to kind of really carve out the science of NAD boosting and you know they've they've put a lot of science to the ingredient. We know that it's safe in very large doses. We know that it's effective to raise at NAD levels. And they're continuing to do a lot of research on that 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 singular molecule to show its benefits for aging. And so I have a lot of confidence in them. It was great to partner with them and to be able to use this patented proprietary ingredient in our formulation. So the cool thing I think is that we've built around that ingredient to create something that that doesn't really exist on the market, that we're confident is going to boost NAD levels in a very significant manner. So
0: I want to now go back to another innovation. So I mentioned the magnesium ATP complex, but we also want the ATP part of that. We want to be able to make as much. And I know the conventional wisdom is that our bodies make and remake about our body weight in ATP every day, which is just crazy when you think about it, right? That how quickly and rapidly that molecule is just being used and remade and used and remade. And Nick talked about earlier that it's food, right? That's the core. Like the the main thing we do in terms of cells and mitochondria is we extract things from food to make NAD, right? So whether that's carbs or fats, the ultimate cellular goal of those is to convert the stored energy of those into ATP. And this is fairly like well-established biochemistry to turn sugars into ATP. requires a whole subset of B vitamins, B1, B2, B3, B5. To turn fats into ATP requires B vitamins as well. Not exactly the same ones, but some of the others, like the B12 plugs in there. B6 is needed to turn glycogen into the glucose that can be fed into that. So one of the things I think that's also just so missed is that the B complex are thought of as a family for a reason. They're all instrumental in extracting or changing food into cellular energy. And so it was a big part of what I wanted to do in this product is not only support building the NAD, but support ATP because that is instrumental for making NAD and NAD is instrumental for making it. So let's make sure we do both.
3: So something that's really unique about our company at Neurohacker is the research. The research that goes into the ideation phase and on each kind of potential ingredient on a formula, the research that's done in-house and of one research, the small beta studies that we do pre-market and clinical studies that we do. Nearly every product kind of we roll through this entire process, which is really fueled by our intent of being true scientists and really standing behind our products. So for Colia NAD, great. Right, can you walk through kind of some of the specifics on the research that we've conducted for this product?
0: Yeah, so the first thing we would do typically is often make a small amount and then just take it. Like, how do I feel doing it, right? And and then from that, we'll do what we sometimes refer to as a beta study, sometimes a pilot study when we write about them on our blogs. But it would be almost proof of concept. So these wouldn't be placebo-controlled studies. But what we would do is we would make enough of the product, give it to a group of people and see how they feel. And for the quality NAD as an example, and this again goes back to Daniel Schlachtenberger early on when we were creating what became Quality Life. He said, you know, I don't care about NAD in isolation. I care about it because what it should do and how it should make people feel. And those are some of the things we talked about earlier, right? Like feeling more resilience, feeling like you have more juice to do things, feeling like you're not as fatigued, that your, your sleep is more efficient. We could go on and on. So. What we would normally do for a product is we would figure out what's the subjective experiences we want people to have from taking this product, and then we'll use some kind of a questionnaire to find out, does it do those things? And so that's what we did next with the Quality NAD. We recruited a group of men and women and had questionnaires that asked about 16 questions related to how people feel that commonly go off the rails when we get older, right? Like So these were questions about whether you feel energy or fatigue. How restful is your sleep? Are you needing more sleep during the day? Are you irritable? Are are your muscles performing well? And on and on. And what we saw was just crazy improvements in those areas after taking Koi NAD. And, And this was a really short study. It was 10 days. So that was our original one. And we're like, wow, that was super cool. But I think, I know I was shocked with how big a change we saw so quickly. And from there, and it, this was going on at about the, roughly the same time, we often, like I said, we'll be taking things ourselves and doing our own N of one. So an N of one is like a case study, is how you think of that in medicine, where we're saying, okay, again, this is not placebo control, but all right, I'm going to take this and I'll measure something and see how I do. And there's a saying in the biohacker space: your mileage may vary. It's it's widely used with nootropics, right? This idea that oh, just because Greg did great on something doesn't mean Lauren or Nick would get exactly the same experience. So Nick and I, you know, of that batch we had made for people to take with their you know, in our beta test, we took it and measured our NAD levels before and after, and mine went up 156 percent after 20 days. So I was like, wow. For me, it did exactly what it was supposed to do, right? It really made a big impact.
2: Yeah, I saw that my levels raised about 50% over the course of 10 days, which in and of itself is quite remarkable. But it wasn't in 100% like Greg.
3: Is it possible? I mean, Nick, you're 20 years younger than Greg, too. So is that at play?
2: So somebody who is younger, somebody who has healthy lifestyle, diet, all of those aspects, they'll naturally, generally speaking, have higher levels of NAD. And so, there's less room to grow, so to speak. And so, people that that are that are older, that live a poor lifestyle, all of those aspects, there's more of a bucket that needs to be filled. And so, I think you're going to see a larger change in those individuals versus somebody like myself who is, for the most part, living uh, the right way.
0: And the other thing I think... duration of time matters i think had nick taken it longer and again this is theorizing in advance of evidence so forgive me audience but you know i think it's quite likely that his would have continued to go up the other thing just so the audience is aware the test we use does have an optimal range that they they consider and it's a spread but nick and i both ended up in that green optimal range my my percent increase was as nick mentioned higher. like Now I'll mention Quantified Bob. So Bob Troya, he's um, well known in the biohacker community as Quantified Bob, more recently did the quali NAD for an entire month and did before and after the same test kits that Nick and I used, and his levels went up 96%. So what we've seen so far in those was encouraging, and it encouraged us enough to do now a placebo-controlled study, which we have two cohorts. What that means is that one group's already gone through, completed. We have those results to share. Another cohort will be going through Q1 of 2024. So you know, we expect to have those results, say, by the end of February, early March. But what we've seen so far in the first cohort is that the group went up about 82%. So again, some variants, some people went up 130, 140%. Some went up closer to what Nick's was. So that's, that's the swing we've been seeing, somewhere between you know 50 percent to more than a hundred percent but averaging out somewhere when we just look at that one group that was 82 percent which was statistically significant compared to the placebo group so super encouraging and i can't wait to see the results for the people that go through i mean she won
3: great well we covered a lot on this really unique formula you know the three precursors versus one the support through magnesium, through coffee berry, that form of caffeine, which internally was a highly contentious decision to include caffeine in this formula uh, that Greg really held his guns, rightly so, as we're seeing the result of just this really low dose of caffeine moving the passengers effectively through. But is there anything else you want to add on in terms of the uniqueness and the thought and care that you put into this formula?
0: So I mentioned that I think there's three areas that make this unique, right? The, the multiple precursors, right? More than one way to make NAD. The idea of supporting the transportation through all these different molecules, right? Making sure things don't get stranded. And the, the last is I mentioned that ATP is, you know, made and then used and made and reused over and over and over in our cells all day long. But NAD is somewhat similar, right? It's made, consumed, remade. And so that's one of the things that we haven't touched on, but that remaking of it, right? So that's magnesium, the B vitamins are somewhat involved, but it's one of the reasons we put the resveratrol in, right? We wanted to support that remaking. So that's that last part, right? So when you think of quality NAD, think of redundancy. We've got that base covered. Doing the work to get all these things so they don't get stranded somewhere in the NAD map. And then last, being able to make and remake over and over as our cells need this molecule through the day. And then the last thing I would say is that timing piece. You know, I think over time, more and more people will talk about how important the timing of when you take our NAD products, we're
2: already talking about that at Neurohacker. Yeah, I'll just quickly mention too that it's critically important that you continually do these things. You know, we need to look at it from an offensive and defensive perspective. You know, this isn't the end all and be all. But we've designed this product to be an everyday product, which is unique for us. Most of our products are meant to be used five days on, two days off, giving the body a break. This product is designed to really help to to feel the pool that's been leaking over the course of uh, of time as we age. And to fill that that NAD level, it's not something that you need to do eternally, but it's something that you need to do consistently to make sure that you're really maximizing your expression of NAD in the body to optimize health overall. And so that's fairly unique for us. And I would always add on that it's a tool. We need to make sure that we're doing these other things around this product to really optimize the NAD molecule overall. You know, we know that calorie restriction can help boost NADs. Exercise is probably the most important thing that we can do to maximize NAD. We're finding that heat exposure, cold exposure, limiting sun exposure. If you get too much sun, it creates DNA damage, which can impact levels of NAD. There's a lot of things we can do around this product to really maximize our expression of NAD over time as we age.
0: And then the last thing I want to just add in for our audience is one of our goals at NeuroHacker with the quality liner products is that you'll take our products and you'll feel something. Something good. One of the things that came out even in our original beta study was how frequently the participants commented about feeling more energy. And one comment was a fairly long one, essentially said something like, Oh. I've taken like all kinds of different NAD, bo- NAD boosters. This is the first time I've ever really felt it and really feel more vital, more energy. And I know Lauren, that's been your experience. I know Nick, you've mentioned that to me as well. So again, just this would be a Gregism, but you know, I care about NAD, but I care about it because what it should do. And one of those things it should ideally do for us is give us more juice. And so far, we've been seeing that routinely with Toy NAD.
3: Well, that's our show today. And if you've listened this long, you deserve a gift because we just really appreciate you staying on and listening for this time. But if you go to the URL neurohacker.com slash podcast NAD, you're going to get a special discount on top of whatever's running on the website, which is an additional 15% off. So that's neurohacker.com slash podcast NAD. We talked about a lot of things in this episode. Please check our show notes on our website. We're going to have links to some of the research that we've done at Neurohacker on NAD, as well as I think we'll we'll put the map of the NAD metabolome in there for you guys to look at as well. So Please visit the website and get the show notes so you can really visualize and read up on some of the things that we've discussed today. With that, I just want to thank you, Greg and Nick, for your expertise and your wisdom. Thank you again, listeners, and we'll be in touch.
1: This podcast is for informational purposes only. The podcast is not intended as a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. You should not use the information on the podcast for diagnosing or treating a health problem or disease or prescribing any medication or other treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider before taking any medication or nutritional, herbal, or homeopathic supplement, and with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something you have heard on this or any other podcast. Reliance on the podcast is solely at your own risk. Information provided on the podcast does not create a doctor-patient relationship between you and any of the health professionals affiliated with our podcast. Information and statements regarding dietary supplements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration and are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to therein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician. This podcast is owned by Neurohacker Collective.